This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing In the Heights. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Javi. <laughs> and we're back after our several week hiatus. And, you know, this came up, I think, while I was on vacation. And this is actually a you idea. Um, but before we get started on that Annabelle review series that, <laughs> <Shut the fuck laughs> that we basically like cornered ourselves into doing, thanks to me. Thanks to a comment I made during our Conjuring 3 review. (laughs) Not only that, I think you also put it in like you kind of promised it when you announced we were doing in the heights. Yeah, I did. Where'd it go, dickhead? Well, fucking, we said we were going to do it. So, you know. You said we were going to do it. I'm going to fight you the entire I'm going to sandbag those episodes so fucking hard. Fine, but I've never seen Annabelle. So either so i could very much and well end up hating it just as much as you did yeah spoiler alert i fucking hate those movies already they all suck <laughs> all right well before we get there we decided to take a short detour into the kind of movie that came out right before i went on vacation and that is uh, in the heights it's an so, adaptation of the um, musical um by Lin-Manuel Miranda and a little bit of a like kind of peek behind the curtain sort of thing so Angel Angel and I whenever we do these episodes we have uh you know like we have IMDB pages open we have notes well Angel has notes I just kind of like <laughs> stream of consciousness these episodes into existence uh, you we know I, I put down one. notes and I feel like I still stream of consciousness do these episodes I don't it's just something about that kind of like that's just our, our style like <laughs> I guess but you know like I was preparing getting my my tabs ready for this episode and I kept googling in the whites on accident because of that joke <laughs> <laughs> I made when I texted you and I'm like why isn't it coming up and I'm like oh wait <laughs> yeah all right so one of the so this movie I think is getting some celebration and praise because it is, you know, a largely Hispanic cast and story. I think the criticism and it's very valid criticism is that while this is a movie that takes place in New York city and the, the main characters around this are Dominican and I think this movie has been accused of colorism because there weren't enough Afro-Latino actors in this project. And it's hard to argue with it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the one like true black character in this uh, is uh, Corey Hawkins, who most people remember played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
and it's it's not weird, but it, I'm surpri- it was surprising to see him be casted as one of the characters in this story. Um, you know, again, it's like it's a movie where it's like we're all gonna show you these lighter skin, you know, Hispanic people, and you know, everyone else is kind of. <laughs> I'm sure there's other people around, but you know, it's we know that there's a large Afro Latino Dominican population. And I think the criticism levied against this movie is valid. And Mm. that's where it really made me laugh that you started calling this movie in the whites (laughs) and it just became the way that we refer to it every single time we texted about this movie. And so I guess um, kind of what made me want to review this film, because it was my suggestion, was actually a friend of the show, Eddie Escobar, and I got into huge freaking like conversations (laughs) over this film for about two weeks. We're all like where or maybe a week and a half, maybe not the full two weeks, but where, you know, we were we were talking about like the claims of colorism for this movie. And, you know, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be discussed. Like, yes, this movie does offer a lot of representation for Latinos in general. Like, yeah, we get to see a lot of Dominicans. We get to see Cubans. We get to see, like, South Americans. We get to see, like, at one point, there's, like, the Mexican flag in this, uh, in this movie. Like, we do get to see a lot of representation. But the thing about representation, the Latino culture, is that we are, um, Oh, God, I think I'm going to mess this up because I'm not I haven't taken an ethnic studies class in like seven years. <laughs> but like my understanding is that we are like the Latino culture is more is a is a ethnicity, not a race. Right. Yes. Or might be, yeah. So mm-hmm. within our ethnicity, we already have a bunch of races. Like, and that's what folks kind of have the, the hard time understanding is that representation of our um ethnicity is very like it's so varied and it's such a wide category that it's hard to get representation of everybody because there's so many different cultures there's so many different combinations there's so many races just within the the, within the latino culture um where i think it's it's one of those things where it, it it makes representation such a tricky subject that i think can be tackled but it's something that you know it's just something we got to keep working at. And even though uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has done so much to like bring uh, these cultures that haven't been represented in the past, kind of like to the forefront, it's kind of weird. Cause you know, I get where, I get where some folks are saying where it's like, on one hand, is it really fair to make these, um, make these, uh, I don't know if accusations or make these complaints against the guy that's doing so much, but at the same time, it's about also, you know, holding the the stories we're telling to a higher standard too. So it's like a it's a bit you know, if he it's one of those things where if he doesn't have as many um, you know Afro Latino as many Black folks in his cast, um, he's saying that or they're saying that it's like underrepresentation. If he has too many, he can be accused of pandering, right? <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like I don't the criticism can go either way depending on who you're talking to Um, you know what i would say is okay we in the first year of the show we did do the right thing by spike lee spike lee is widely regarded as 
you know, an all-time great director, a great auteur, and someone who, you know, obviously black characters are at the forefront of all of his films. Um, even he is not above reproach. Like the guy, he's been criticized for the way that he writes women or the way women are portrayed in his movies as well. I, I think that just because people are making great strides for representation, as you said, I don't think that makes him above reproach. In fact, I, I think that. that that makes it, it makes it even more important for them to be not held accountable, but for them to be reminded by the audience, which they are trying to represent, like, you know, keep doing better. Pretty yes. much. <laughs> and, and to his credit, you know, he has taken his licks for it and, you know, promised to do better next time. And mm-hmm. it's um, one of those things that's all you can do as a filmmaker. Like, it's not like he can go reshoot this film. <laughs> No, but there's also there's also really bad ways in which you can deal with this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people because this is the other thing, too, is that there is a representation of Hispanic and Latino people in pop culture that is very white centric. It just Mm -hmm. is right. Like, you know, the biggest stars uh, like Jennifer Lopez and stuff like that when we did Selena. Like those are white Latino stars, the people who are in, you know, Spanish movies and soap operas and all that kind of stuff. They are you know, that that is what is shown as a representation of the culture. So a lot of times Eurocentric. And and you know, like I you and I grew up in an area where the largest pot where the Hispanic population is largely Mexican, right? Mm-hmm not afro-latino yeah, I'm half mexican like my yeah, dad's very, very, that's what i mean it's like the yeah. afro-latino representation is very low in turn in compared to other places right 100 mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's it's kind of like where i learned my like kind of where i learned my lesson or uh, early on in my life i guess as a teenager uh one of my close one of my really close friends from high school uh at one time was you know is black right and I remember one time, you know, I, I, I don't know what I said, but I referred to him as African-American, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in, in he like straight up said, he goes, you know, he's like, I don't identify myself as African-American. I identify myself as black. And I was just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, it, I didn't know where he was going to go with that. So I was a little confused. His family's from the South, right? Like they came, they, they lived in New Orleans and they moved to California, like, you know, generation before. Mm-hmm. and uh that's where he mentions that his grandmother is actually from honduras right mm. so he doesn't consider himself afro african-american you know mm-hmm. i don't obviously i don't know if he considers himself afro-latino at this mm-hmm. point in time but you know it's it's it, it just one of those things that taught me <laughs> that kind of taught me a lesson and reminded me that there is differences among these uh populations mm-hmm. we're not from new york right and there is a higher Puerto Rican, Dominican, you know, cu- subculture there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Honduras as well. For, for people here, there's a lot of Afro-Latinos in Honduras. Um, but it's like, yeah. And this is like a part of the world where, like, I think more people who maybe even grew up in these neighborhoods that are being portrayed in these movies mm-hmm. probably find it even odder. You know, because otherwise it's like it's one of those things that I wouldn't think about, 
But I think it is important to have these conversations because they are things that we're supposed to think about. Because let's be real, you and I have had plenty of representation in, as Latinos, as white passing Latinos in, in movies, right? I would argue that we haven't even had enough representation. But I think, and I think that's where the problem here is too. And I don't mm-hmm. mean to get way too like serious about this before we get into a movie review. But I think we get ignorant because we think that, and I've seen this so often, right? Where we get ignorant to the fact that Afro-Latinos are dealing with all the, with all the, you know, uh, trappings of being Latino in America. On top of that, they're dealing with the inherent racism that exists in Latin America, right? And that is one of those things that, so when they want to identify themselves as Afro-Latino or when they complain about the fact that there isn't more Afro-Latino, you know, representation in media, it's very easy for other members of the, you know, Hispanic American subculture to just look at them and say, you know, well, you're, you're Hispanic. You're not, you, you try to put people in boxes, right? Yeah. I think that's what, that's a really good point <laughs> of putting it is that we're really good at putting people in boxes and we are really good at putting people in boxes when it really like benefits our argument. When it benefits us, it's yeah, like, no, you're yeah. part of our subculture. So why do you want more representation? We should all have more representation. And it's the easiest way for us to all lives matter like Afro Latinos, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, and I think that is, and that's my final point on that is that's why these conversations exist. Mm-hmm. That's why these criticisms criticisms are merited, and I think it does affect the way you enjoy watching something because I couldn't watch this movie without thinking about that. I know, <laughs> and it's like. It's one. It's like once the once the cat's out of the bag on that one too. It's like you can't turn that part of your brain off. Like you're always gonna watch the film with that. With it doesn't. That, it doesn't you know, ruin it. I'll no, say not this, at all. Yeah. It doesn't ruin it because I'm going to say that this movie, in some ways, reminds me of West Side Story, which mm-hmm. to me is my favorite musical ever. The only mm-hmm. problem, the main problem I have with that movie, is. You know, they had Greek actors and in non-Hispanic actors in brownface playing, you know, Hispanic Americans, like, in a movie. So, it, it's one of those things where, like, even my favorite musical of all time, it's one of those things where I can never divorce the fact that, yeah, these are white guys, like, who are painting themselves brown <laughs> <laughs> and they're the ones who are like and the accents are just ridiculous like if you ever go back and watch west side story it is good mm-hmm. but it's just fuck and, and some of the ideas in that movie are great but it's just yeah it's distracting how bad the accents and the brown faces <laughs> in those <laughs> movies well don't gotta worry about that i don't plan on watching it <laughs> Oh, we'll probably watch it for this show maybe one day in the future. Shut up. Stab you. (laughs) Stop doing that. (laughs) Stop promising things I don't want to do. 
<laughs> All right. All um, right. So let's get in on it because this is actually one thing to say about this. This is actually our first musical, right? Yes. It is the first time we're doing a musical on this podcast. This is going to be weird because I don't think I've reviewed. I don't think we've like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't even like musicals like that. So. I love musicals like that. <laughs> and so okay i also want people to know i tried really hard not to let my like indifference towards musicals paint my opinion on this movie <laughs> so i'm just being as transparent as possible but let's get started uh so we get introduced to our main character of the film usnavi de la vega uh who is on a beach somewhere we are left to assume out in the caribbean Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking to a group of children about a magical, lovable, loving place that he grew up in called Washington Heights, um, which is a neighborhood out in uh, New York. So uh, years before, uh, Usnavi used to be uh, owner of a shop out in his neighborhood, and we get which, introduced- you know people who are in New York. It's not a term that's used out here, so it's it's I only see it when I watch like these videos on New York. Like you know, mm-hmm. local hotspots and stuff like, but bodega, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, right off the bat, I'm like, fuck you guys and your special language and your words for well, bodega stuff out like, the East it, Coast. Bodega is a thing. It is a thing, right? Like in 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 Sorry, certain in certain Latin of, American countries. This is where my East Coast bias, like, <laughs> <laughs> you mean West Coast bias? What whatever bias, whichever <laughs> least East Coast, least Coast. Shut up! I'll fight them all. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so we find out he's an owner of a bodega out in washington heights and we and it, you know this is where we get introduced to the neighborhood and a lot of the, a lot of the characters side characters uh through the song in the heights mm-hmm. um where we also get to meet uh some some folks like claudia um wait abuela claudia who was who's pretty much we're left to assume is uh, an older woman that raised Usnavi from a young age, although mm-hmm. they're not biologically related. Uh, we also get introduced to uh, Kevin Rosario, who was played by Jimmy Smith. Yes, the return Uh-oh. of Jimmy Smith. We have not discussed Jimmy Smith on this podcast since we did the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> space Mexican. <laughs> Our favorite space Mexican is back. <laughs> he would probably legitimately hate us if you ever found out that, like, that on this show we really just recognize him for being a space Mexican in Star Wars. You <laughs> kick the shit out of us, especially since he's not Mexican. This is what we were talking about. <laughs> Literally, we put Jimmy Smith in a box he doesn't belong to. <laughs> God, we're the fucking worst. Oh my god, that space Mexican box. It's the worst. Oh god, he's gonna kick the shit out of us. Sorry, Jimmy Smith. He, he and Diego Luna are just gonna like tag team beat the shit out of both of us. Oh no, please don't tell me Diego Luna is a Mexican either. <laughs> oh god. So we also get introduced to uh Benny, who uh who you alluded to earlier, Corey Hawkins. Um, who uh, appears to be one of Usnavi's friends from Washington Heights. Uh, we meet the beauty salon ladies, uh, Daniela, Carla, and Kuka. <laughs> and then there's the beautiful Vanessa, who Usnavi has a huge crush on. And now, then- the actress who plays Vanessa, Melissa 
Barrera. Like she mm-hmm. was on a Stars series called Vita, which just ended last year. They ended mm-hmm. their 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 run of three seasons in 2020. And I recently watched that entire series. It is a really good series that has a very underwhelming ending, in my opinion. Give but me like um, a quick one minute synopsis: what it's about? Uh, basically, it's it's she and her older sister. Uh, you know, I guess like she she had moved to San Francisco. Her older sister moved to Chicago. Their mother, like they grew up in East LA, and their mother passes away and leaves them a bar that she had as like her business right and the entire series is them leaving where they had moved away to and having to deal with them kind of like fixing their relationship where they've all like kind of been separated for a long time and reconciling the fact that their mother you know who was married to their father for a long time ends up you know becoming lesbian married another woman before she passed away so uh, yeah, it's it's a really good show and uh i definitely I, I thought she was a really good actress in it so mm-hmm. that's one of the things that made me kind of into this is like oh cool like I, I just saw her in like you know what's her biggest role to date so <laughs> so mm-hmm. at least it'll prepare me for her in this uh in this movie gotcha gotcha so yeah like uh, the opening song in the heights pretty cool big old jazzy lot of like latin <laughs> influence numbers i loved it i love the like, i mean right off the bat choreography is fucking amazing there's like, there's different kinds of, of musicals right like yeah. some of them are sometimes you'll get the kind of like disney style and what i mean by that is like half the movie is dialogue and then half the movie is singing mm-hmm. or sometimes you'll get like the kind of like Les Mis like <laughs> like the entire movie is singing mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know it's 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 th- this seems to be like it's it's dialogue and singing so it's like you can't you don't really review the music that you hear in it it's I think it's cool I like I mean, some of it way, like it's it's different because I'm not used to I don't know getting story given to me but music chunks now here's the thing though I am going to catch a lot of flack for this I mean, again, it could be that I'm also a very, like, unlearned person. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a huge fan of the way Lin-Manuel Miranda writes dialogue lyrics. I agree. I I have to agree because, like, like, I watched Hamilton last year when it came out on Disney Plus. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, but... Whereas, like, it kind of works in that play, it It's just from... it feels corny here, and I can't. Yes. <laughs> I oh my can't god! Yes. It. <laughs> Thank you. It looks like a fucking after, or it sounds like an after-school rap written by like your music teacher trying to trying to sound cool to the kids. And it's like the way to dis- the way I described it to one of my friends was like Lin Manuel Miranda, like the way he writes his lyrics is very much like. He 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 writes rap in a way that is easily digestible for your middle aged, you know, late thirties <laughs> to middle aged white folks. Well, that's I mean, he's not a young guy, right? So yeah. it's, he's gonna write from a perspective that's that's a certain way. The other thing too is, I mean, I'm not big into Broadway subculture, you know, like I just haven't watched that many plays. Most of the musicals I see are movies, so. um 
and I know that at some point, either in the late 90s or early aughts, there was kind of like a trend of rap on Broadway. <laughs> it just was a thing. So I don't know if this is better or worse than the other stuff that exists out there. I just know that for some reason I just couldn't get into it. Please be better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, some of the things we're learning is that one, Usnavi wants to go back to the DR. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to live in New York anymore. Um, the rent for local shops in Washington Heights is going through the roof, and people are essentially have to either sell off their businesses or try to downsize. Um, as we learned the way kind of Kevin had to give up half his, uh, half his storefront to another, um, to another business. So that way he can actually like keep his, uh, his limo business running. All right. And, all, and also I've got another problem here. <laughs> I've got another problem here. What? I am kind of over the, the using gentrification as a subplot and not really doing anything with it like i'm like this all it's really telling you is yes everyone else is leaving the neighborhood the neighborhood's changing well then why does everybody want to stay here so much like that's What's the, the part that's the part that i can't deal with and it's not even like just a this movie thing there's a lot of stuff out there like in movies and television including that show Vida that I was talking about on stars where it's like people are complaining about the fact that neighborhoods are changing and gentrification is happening, but there's no real like answer to it. And it's like, it's these movies just kind of put those things there. And then at the same, then like the end game is like, well, we're either going to stay here as this neighborhood gets worse <laughs> or we're going to leave just like everyone else has left. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I know you want to call attention to it, but it's so unsatisfying how it's like dealt with. It's like how global warming was such a big like plot point in a lot of like movies in the middle of the aughts. Mm -hmm. But then it's super hard because they never show any resolution to that plot point. <laughs> yes. Unless it's a movie like 2012 or The Day After Tomorrow, where the resolution is just the world dies and no, <laughs> best you, of luck whoever survives. But you Here, know what? I think I think there's another part of this where where I'm starting to because I couldn't get this movie out of my mind. West Side Story was one of them, but mm -hmm. the other movie I couldn't get out of my mind when I was watching this was Do the Right Thing. And mm -hmm. for for and I think the reason for it is because Do the Right Thing does a fantastic job and doesn't have to, it is it's not. It's not like shackled to the musical, like the, you know, format that it has to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it does so much, like with the characters in the neighborhood. You're seeing all these characters. You're you're like allowing the dialogue to kind of inform the world that they're living in. So you get the scene of like you know of the one guy who gets his like sneaker stepped on by the gentrifying like Boston. <laughs> boston mm -hmm. celtics fan that's like stepping in where he's mm -hmm. like you, you gentrified motherfucker and, and like it's just like it, it's 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 like there you go it's like you just mention it you just remind people that this is the world that they're living in or the fact where like the three like older guys are are sitting outside talking about global warming and how the earth is getting hotter mm -hmm. and how it's like the hottest day of the year like you know when all this tension is happening and it's like that's what i mean it's like it's like this it doesn't do as much because not only is it i think shackled by 
the music and I'm just not that impressed by the music in this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of it is it, it, it chooses to focus on a very small number of characters. Like, okay, this movie is about Washington Heights, right? But it doesn't feel like that's what it's about. It feels like it's about like this small like cadre of characters. Usnavi and company, like pretty much whoever was related to him. <laughs> yeah, like like it, it feels like one of those things that might have been cool if it was if it was like a two part movie or if it was like a season of a series. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, but it doesn't feel like it. Or there's... a stage play. Yeah, it could be that maybe this is just one of those films where the the musical just doesn't translate to film as easily or as cleanly as people want. You know it could um, be and do you know the crazy part is i love the cinematography here yeah but, i mean there's some beautiful but, shots of the city in the neighborhood you know but i don't feel like the movie even makes that much effective like use of the space that they're in i think like since we're using do the right thing as an example like it's just one of those things where like spike lee like he knew how to make the the neighborhood itself feel like a character within the film Mm-hmm. because he focused on so many such a variety of different characters and like the way he shot the film right it just feels like in this film it's just yeah like when we're talking about gentrifying it's just one of those looming things that doesn't get addressed as opposed to you know in in uh do the right thing where it isn't one of those looming things that does come up but it actually like kind of pushes forward more anxieties and more anger within the cast until it finally doesn't get, get addressed and, it know? doesn't get addressed but the fact that the movie's about tension the entire time it feels like it feeds into the tension that exists and that's, that's the thing that's why this that film, works there and that's the thing this film tries to create tension with no payoff yeah because like, the that's problem the is there's no gentrifiers here like there, I there's mean, the wait there's like the random couple in the beginning and that's it and then yeah. then they tell us that there's supposed to be a heat wave and like the blackout the looming blackout is the big thing right nothing and you don't get any like semblance that it's happening like you don't see people sweating you don't see a bunch of fans on in the house like in do the no, right thing like everyone's I, dancing <laughs> god damn it like no I, that's not a, I don't have a problem fuck. with that i don't have a problem with that if people are dancing that's fine that's the musical that's the conceit <laughs> of the musical the problem i have is that it's like nobody's sweating everyone looks like they're in a magazine like Mm -hmm. it's just like all these pretty people (laughs) and it's like it takes you out of it a little bit is that's gonna be our next criticism (laughs) is he is he pushing this narrative that ugly people are bad (laughs) (laughs) oh my god anyway all right Anyway, so, so the, the the kind of once we get over the initial like you know song and then we get I, I the one I really like is the Benny like doing the morning dispatch song mm-hmm. <laughs> for the cab company. Um, we then we get introduced to uh, the character, Nina, right? Yeah. So well, before we get introduced, I guess uh, to Nina, we find out that this attorney who i guess is like friends with Uznavi or like you know mm-hmm. just like a neighbor of them um lets him know that you know his he, that his dad's old business from the dominican republic is available for purchase and it's like a bar right and that's mm-hmm. the part that made me even think of the show vita is the fact that it's like around the revival of a bar like that's like one of the main like stories in the series like that made me think of that i'm like oh cool this is kind of something similar to what i've already seen 
Um, but the, but you know, um, so, he, so Navi's now deciding. Oh well, I'm going to go down to Dominican Republic. I'm going to, you know, take over my dad's business, restart this bar, this and this and that. I'm going to take my little cousin who like works with me here. And this mm-hmm. this this is probably the most interesting stuff in this movie is the stuff about um, gosh, what's the younger cousin's name? Sunny. We're mm-hmm. we're we're dealing with the fact that Sunny is you know does not have um he's undocumented so mm-hmm. he cannot travel with um with his navi to you know to dominican republic and the funny thing is that that is where the that is the difference between the movie and the stage plays that the movie is actually bringing and i think it's the one thing that i think this movie does that I kind of like <laughs> and and there's two things there's there's this and then there's also going to be the Nina sub story which we're going to get to right after this uh, but that I don't know even the sunny sub story feels like it's very unresolved like it just feels like this film brings in a lot of like random plot points and being like hey look fellow Latinos these are problems you guys relate to right I think the and problem then it's like but then it's never addressed it's never like, there's no resolution to it yeah. like there's the scene where sunny and nina go to uh they go to a daca rally right and it's like yeah this is this is great especially after the last four years where we saw like how much the previous administration tried to like destroy any any sort of resources that were meant for like und- like children of undocumented immigrants or undocumented children mm-hmm. as they were trying to get educations right and it's like this kid, you know, like the all there is is just that one dialogue where he's like, "Oh, does that mean I just can't travel?" And it's like, yeah, like, it feels like it feels like it's shoehorned into this just for the express purpose of giving Sonny something to do. Yeah, and, I, I, and, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of. It feels like all these social issues are just like, this is the character that represents this issue, <laughs> and that like it, like you said, it just gives them something to do while they're there. This movie, it tries to be an ensemble movie, but it's really more interested in telling the story of four characters or three yeah. characters, Vanessa, um, Usnavi, and um, Nina. Those are the three characters that it's most interested in telling you about. Everyone else feels like a side character. And that's and I think when I mentioned like you know what you can do with the series format, I think that's what I think of because I watch a show like Vita, which is about, you know, Hispanic American characters in a gentrifying city dealing with stuff. And it's ensemble casts as well, you know, or a show like Hentified on on Netflix that does more or less the same thing. What you can do with series is that then you're able to have like certain episodes that are focused on other characters. So when you get to kind of the resolution of a season or a series, you feel like you know these characters in a way that you can't get to know anybody in this movie because this movie just isn't interested in telling you anything. It it isn't interested in telling you much more than about three characters. You can't do a 10 episode arc in two and a half hours. No. (laughs) And I think a lot of these issues that they're trying to do are like, at least through the style of storytelling they're trying to do in this film would be better suited for a series, but definitely not for a two and a half hour musical. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you were mentioning, uh, we we get to meet Alejandro was the attorney friend um, of the family. And 
after that was when we get to we get introduced to Kevin's daughter Nina, who comes in uh, from the West Coast, West Coast, best coast, baby. And apparently, you know, she was supposed to be the one that made it, right? She's the one that, that made it out of Washington Heights. She was the one with the future. She's the one that went straight to college, uh, coming home from Stanford. And, you know, we see that there is um, a will they, won't they love storyline between her and Benny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even to the point where one of the, after uh, Benny's song at the dispatch, one of the ladies working with them says, you trying to hit on the boss's daughter? Ooh, you bet. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, it keeps us moving. But, you know, as we see what what's going on with Nina is that pretty much she, you know, she went to Stanford um, and she's trying to say that or she was trying to tell her father that uh, she something about the tuition, right, that it was too late for him to pay the tuition so that she wouldn't be going back mm-hmm. um, and that she wanted to stay. She wanted to stay in Washington Heights. Uh, to which his father, uh, to which her father, just kind of refuses, and uh, you know he's trying to work things out. And essentially, Kevin's just trying to make sure he has enough money, and he find he has a way to get her back into Stanford, um, if possible. Um, we also, you know, uh, moving on from that, we get a song in, I guess it was Daniela Salon, where we see that. Um, you know, we kind of learned a little bit more about how things operate in the neighborhood. Uh, Nina's there. Uh, I think that's where she, we, we revealed that she wants to drop out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also learned that Vanessa went to uh, submit a rental application downtown because she actually wants to become a fashion designer. Like that's her, that's her big dream. Um, but, you know, she's, she's also struggling with the, She's struggling with the decision between having to move out of Washington Heights while, you know, while still trying to be a part of that community, but still trying to do her own thing as a fashion designer moving forward, right? Um, and then we get a lot of, you know, we get some interaction between Vanessa and Usnavi, and I don't know why it bothers me how weird and goofy Usnavi becomes around Vanessa, well, because... <laughs> yes, it is. It does it in, it does it in musical style. Like it's it, it fits what they're doing here. Yeah, <laughs> it's just... and the reason for that is I look at Anthony Ramos and I'm like, Anthony Ramos did not look like the kind of guy that would struggle talking to women. <laughs> and I get it. Like the thing is that Usnavi was written to be kind of like this meek little nerdy dude. Um, but the Again, thing is beautiful what? people this is trying to tell you beautiful people are not beautiful <laughs> this is trying to tell you beautiful people lack confidence and it's like if my fat ass has plenty of confidence <laughs> don't give me that bullshit <laughs> but you know uh with the help of benny and uh sunny they're at well actually i think it was more sunny i think it was sunny was the only one in the bodega at that point but sunny ends up kind of talking vanessa into um letting usnavi take her out on a date and so they agree to go to a uh go dancing later that night i believe yeah so pretty much sunny asked her out for him 
Um, and you know, as the day, you know, we're as we've been told, hot one of the hottest days of the year. A lot of people start closing up shops so that they can go to the pool. Um, and you know, they go to the local community pool. This is where uh, Sonny gets a phone call at the at the store, and he learns that a lottery ticket had been sold at at their store that it was worth ninety six thousand um, dollars. And I, I believe, I don't know if that was true. Do stores get a cut of lottery? Like whenever they sell lotteries, like winning lottery tickets, do you know? Dude, I couldn't possibly tell you. I imagine they have to. I can't imagine it's a huge percentage, but it's something. I mean, I never play the lottery enough <laughs> to do that. <laughs> but then, yeah, we get to the pool where everyone just kind of fantasizes about what they're going to do when they have money. And I don't, I don't know, this goes back to one. I don't want to like keep harping on this, but you know, the, I think the 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 original stage play came out what like two thousand eight or something like that, like the like the late or mid to late aughts. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like again the way things are written. These guys are like. <laughs> It it does feel a little dated. It feels like, and it's dated. not even like it's doing anything that's particularly dated, but it it, it feels that way. It just feels dated. Like it feel, and not only it's that, like if you and I were trying to write a movie that's like about how late teens, early twenty somethings like talk now. Yeah, <laughs> like we're not gonna be able to do it justice. <laughs> not not to mention a lot of these guys like the, the what they're talking about when they're like talking about what they would do with the 96 grand, like they, it sounds like what a bunch of 17 year olds would say. And I'm like, aren't y'all motherfuckers like 25, 26? <laughs> what do you mean you're talking about getting like fresh cuts and shit? <laughs> I don't know. It just feels weird. And it kind of, in a way, it kind of just, uh, it makes kind of like your main characters and your cast kind of, I don't want to say infantilizes them, but it does make them, it makes them feel younger than what they're supposed to be portraying, you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is just like the old man shouting at the sky <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So after the pool dance number, uh, we get a little bit of a little bit more of a uh, fleshing out of Nina and, uh, and Benny's relationship. Meanwhile, Snavi actually goes and meets up with Sonny's dad, who I guess is supposed to be um, Usnavi's cousin played by Mark Anthony. So Mark Anthony has kind of like a cameo role, which is actually really interesting. You don't hear him sing or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, so at that point, um, Sonny's dad kind of uh, tells, or he he lets Usnavi know that they're, Sonny can't really travel because they're both undocumented. Um, so later that night, uh, Usnavi, uh, Kevin nina like a lot pretty much our main cast our main characters in this film all meet up to go have dinner at uh, abuela's house and you know they start discussing a lot of uh you know just kind of like life in the heights the gentrification yada 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 and that's actually where nina or that's where kevin drops the ball and uh drops the bomb on nina saying that he's actually going to sell his business so that he can finish paying for nina's college and kind of retire and this is where Nina reveals why she doesn't want to go to Stanford. Cause as it turns out, when she went out there, you know, she was, she was treated different. She was uh, discriminated against. She um, was treated like the help when she would go to events. 
And I think the most jarring and probably kind of the most real one that she was talking about was being searched after her roommate had lost, uh, I think it was like a piece of jewelry or a bracelet or something. Um, and that they were accused, like the, the roommate's friend the, or the roommate's family, the RA was accusing uh, Nina to the point where they like emptied out her bags and checked mm-hmm. her. And it's like, she talked about the shame and the embarrassment and just kind of like the anger, not feeling like she couldn't do anything um, to which, uh, and you know, I will, I will say this, I do harp a lot on the writing and stuff. I, you know, like I've, I distinctly remember my dad telling me the same stuff jimmy smith says here where it's like you have to be the smart one you have to be smarter than them um you're better than them you're you don't let them get you down when he say like always telling us that we had to do the high road like we have to we have to take the moral high road and it's like i kind of like you know i i like the back and forth here because it's really good because it's it's the best stuff it's the best stuff here because, it's the best written dialogue in the film, I think. Because I think it's part of it, too, where it's like, again, there's a lot of conservatism and holier-than-thou-ness in our community as well that I think it's good that younger people are... Again, Gen Z, you know, we hope that they're going to save us all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they, are, they are the ones who kind of are less willing to just brush off a lot of the shit that we were told, you know, you just have to get through as best mm-hmm. as possible. Hell you know? no, we're telling our kids to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or at least, at, you know, like, and even then, like, be open about the fact that you don't feel good about something. Because mm-hmm. later Nina's going to tell the story about how she was searched inside of a dorm room, you know, and how, like... You know, oh, it wasn't here where she said. I thought it, this. Yeah, it is. It. it is here. It is oh, here. Okay. But what I mean is, like, when she gets into that story, and you know, Just puts that in there. That's what I mean. It's like it's 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 good to know that because it's like we've all had those kinds of experiences as well, as opposed to just the, you know, it's like we're we're all hard workers and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of model minority stuff that happens with Hispanic communities. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> and I think not only younger people, but I think a lot of people in the Afro-Latino community as well are less willing to just, you know, let that shit roll off your back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, people shouldn't have to, you know. But and that's yeah, not it, me saying that I think Jimmy Smith's character is a bad person. I think he's being the best dad that he possibly can. I just think this is a really good snapshot for where it's cool. we, it's how we were raised and where we're coming from to where i hope we're going (laughs) it's a collision of ideals because like i can i totally have seen myself have these same types of conversations with my dad growing up you know as someone who is now going to be tasked with raising a child you know like i want to raise my kid to be a lot less willing to go along with some of the shit that we were just expected to go along Mm -hmm. with yeah, like, I mean especially the casual racism bullshit. Yeah. It's like, no, you tell your daughter to punch people in the face. <laughs> but so after that, um, you know, Nina ends up leaving in a kind of like in a flurry of emotions. Benny goes uh, goes chasing after her. Um, and Usnavi and Vanessa are pretty much like, well, we're going to the club. See you guys later, fuckers. <laughs> 
<laughs> so they go on their date. It's it's super jarring actually now that I think about it. Like all of a sudden, like like everyone else leaves, but these two are like, Do you want to go get drunk at a club? And they're like, sure. And then you know, so when they get to the club, um, we learn that Usnavi isn't big on dancing and he feels very self-conscious dancing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Vanessa is like, you know, she goes there all the time. She knows a lot of the regulars. Um, to and I guess like this is where I got kind of confused. What what exactly they were like mad about? Because it leads to a fight between the two, where where Usnavi kept telling Vanessa that he was gonna go get her a drink, and then she was just like she didn't want to drink like she just he, she just wanted him to dance and i don't know it was like a weird couple fight that i don't know people tend to get into <laughs> so um well they're getting into it in the in this club that's when the power goes out and um and you know like yeah after that like everyone tries to rush out um and that's kind of where the the argument blows up i think like vanessa accuses usnavi of like abandoning her while when the lights were out um and then you know she ends up just kind of telling them to you know that they're done she doesn't want to see him <laughs> the blackout um, literally your favorite part of this entire movie oh my god <laughs> the blackout is so like pointless because literally they like have the countdown clock leading up to the blackout and afterward we're supposed to believe that it was like this big like life-changing experience which to a certain extent it was but nothing happens of it. no <laughs> other than the fact that on. abuelita dies like that is the that is literally <laughs> the and dead grandmother is the only reason this exists and it's not even because she was like hooked to equipment that exactly. kept her alive and the power went out That's it's literally just oh well i just happened to this will happen to be the night where i'm gonna like you know i promise you i'm going to dr with you and i'm gonna help you start this business and okay cool i'm just gonna go die now (laughs) later fuckers (laughs) wait why does she want to go to dr she's cuban (laughs) i don't know i I thought it was a joke at first like kind of like one of those things where he was just like come on go do it and then like she's like oh you know i'm gonna do it like as a joke but I don't I think there's a part of this movie that was positing that she was really gonna go with him. <laughs> I know, like and, and it makes like that's what bothered me. It's like I get if the blackout carried any sort of weight, um, because it led to the death of Abuelita. And it was like if you played that in the story, that it was like she had an oxygen machine and it didn't work. And it's like because of the crappy infrastructure at Washington Heights. And it's because, you know, people have been redlined in these shitty ass neighborhoods. It's like, okay, like it, maybe that's not as fun <laughs> of a musical to tell, but I guess like at least the narrative wise, it would have made more sense than for her to just be like, peace, you know, <laughs> and just peace out because the lights went out. But I guess, you know, it's the thematic point where it's like when the lights went out and Abuelita passed, it's like the lights went out in our heart or some other bullshit. Nice. Yeah. That deserves applause. Yeah. You see, I just, I'm about as good of a writer as Limano Miranda right there. <laughs> so after she dies, the, the neighborhood just starts mourning. Um, they're in mourning after that. 
Um, and then we get the scene where they go to the protest for the DACA students, but it feels like such a, like they might as well not have gone, like with how little of an effect that really has to the overall story. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the whole just shoehorning something in so that Sonny has something to do. Um, Usnavi ends up finding Vanessa's uh, rent application and he like takes it on, on himself to go to like her old job and ask if they're willing to co-sign for uh, Vanessa's application. Um, and just kind of after Abuela's death, like everyone in the neighborhood doesn't know what to do. So that kind of leads us to another dance number, the Carnaval del Barrio, um, which I guess the blackout lasts longer than expected, but you could have fooled me. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because it's daytime now, but it's like everyone kind of goes about their business. I guess we're left to assume that the that the blackout lasted a couple like a days. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't <laughs> I don't know how long it was supposed to last. Like that's never really explained to us. But I mean the way they make it seem, it seems like everyone's just like it's been going on a couple hours, but I don't know. Um, but then that's where it gets weird because then Vanessa's like getting mad at Usnavi because she's like, why are you, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like caring about this neighborhood? You're about to leave for DR anyway, even though she's also moving uptown. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like both of these characters who are trying to see who could guilt the other one harder into staying so they don't have to feel so guilty about them. <laughs> yeah and it's like the more i think about it the more i hate them both now (laughs) (laughs) and this movie really should have focused on benny and nina in my opinion (laughs) but yeah i was just like it really started kind of like going towards the gorge of unlikability for both of them (laughs) um yeah so then like a month passes uh but it was like at while while at the DACA rally and after talking to Sonny, Nina has kind of like an understanding of what she wants to do. And she wants to go back to Stanford so that she, one, like can prove to herself and her family that, you know, they were right and that she, she is the one that's going to uh, get out of Washington Heights. But more importantly, she wants to come back so that she can help students like Sonny and she can help other kids from the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, be able to get residency and, and education. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's probably the best arc in this film, honestly. <laughs> it's it, it, her. She is the. She should have been the star of this movie. Can I just say that? Can I? Can I literally just say that? Because oh no, I, I think, agree. Because I think Benny and <laughs> Nina should have been the stars of this film. Those are the people I wanted to focus on. I, I didn't care about Benny as much. Like he felt like more of a side character. Yeah. Like I said, like I really feel like this movie f- wanted to focus on three main characters, and Benny wasn't one of them. He's like on the outside, but Nina really does, as you said, she has the arc, like re- really the clearest arc and the one I could relate to the most. Mm-hmm. So it just makes the most sense. And I just, because it's, she's, she, the other two characters, as we have said, feel selfish with what they're trying to do. Yeah. Whereas like, like this character, it, there's a lot more altruism to it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she's made it very clear what she doesn't like about how her life is now, all the things she does not want to do. 
And at the same time, she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go back and give this another shot. My dad did what he did. And it's, it's like, yeah, the, the, uh, yes, please, please. Thank you. Thank you for saving this movie. <laughs> after fo- I think there's something to that. After focusing on everything she didn't want to do for the entire runtime of this film, she finally found the one thing she wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that sense, maybe the Daco rally scene isn't as useless as I thought. It's useless when it comes to the characters of Sunny, Uznavi, and Vanessa. But because... when it comes to Nina, it actually might be the most important part of the film. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it's a turning point for her. And I think there's several turning points for her. Like I said, the discussions between her and Jimmy Smith, her dad, mm-hmm. are like the are kind of the best stuff because yeah. it's again it talks of it just goes into the generational differences that we have you know within our communities with and i think it's going to continue happening and 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 yeah it's i i really like that and it also like there like nina also inverts like your normal like romantic narrative because she's the one that leaves and comes back and she's the one that becomes kind of a stranger in her hometown, you know, and, and Benny is actually the one that, that wants to go follow her. You know, it's like Nina's the one that's kind of like moving on with her life. And Benny's the one that kind of has to give chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like they, they have that conversation where if she goes to Palo Alto, he tells her, Hey, you go out and do everything you want to do. And he's like, I'll find a way to, to go out there and meet you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he doesn't, it's not like, where she's trying to change her life for him it's more like the opposite where he's trying to do what he needs to to stay uh, stay involved in her life right it's Um, the dissatisfying ending for her character would be if she decided to just stay in the same neighborhood that she's in while realizing that again it's the problem with putting gentrification and immigrant rights like the problem with putting some of these things into a plot and then not doing much with them is is that you know then it feels like it doesn't have much of a purpose i still don't think it has much of a purpose in the movie but nina is the only character who looks at how things are chooses to go away because she has to but will come back to make things better and it's like so so her so it doesn't feel it it doesn't feel like she's someone who's just out for herself yeah unlike usnavi <laughs> right because Those selfish bastards well uh, because vanessa has already moved <laughs> you know by the end by the time we get to the ending of this movie vanessa has already moved mm-hmm. and we still have like one day to go before usnavi leaves oh we never really talked about the fact that i what i did find funny in the movie is uznavi's name (laughs) came from the fact that his father saw a u.s navy boat (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know why that like now is the time that i like thought about that but we hadn't talked about that the entire time so i didn't (laughs) so i didn't want to forget before i brought it up i forgot when he mentions it to the kids but it's early it's early in the movie and we're like already like at the end here but <laughs> and, oh yeah it came up in a point where i still thought usnavi was gonna be likable and then <laughs> and then his, and then his arc is that he's trying to jump out of the like plane the falling plane all all times <laughs> instead I, of trying to save the plane <laughs> 
And okay, so Navi's about to leave, but as he's about to leave, in inside of Abuelita Claudia's room, he finds the lottery ticket that they were talking about. You know, that was the winning ticket that came from their bodega. Yeah, and, which would have been the one he sold her at the beginning of the movie. Right. So it's like, you know, we're bringing this, glad we're bringing this back, but he wants to go to the lawyer and give him a lottery ticket as payment to help get the green card process started for Sonny. You know what? We laugh. <laughs> we laugh, but I've literally heard crazy stories like this. Of like dope ass lawyers being like, sure, all you have to pay me in is chickens. <laughs> <laughs> like I was talking to my buddy and he recently bought a new car and he was saying that uh one of the guys he bought his car from like had this like rancher that was trying to buy a fleet of trucks, but the only thing he can like put up as a down payment was like cows. So they put up like what the market value on cows was. <laughs> Oh my god. So the you barter just, system exists. Yeah, you know what? It makes more sense than fucking cryptocurrency, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Or <laughs> NFTs. You know what? Yeah, let's not go down that route because I'm a I feel like we've already maniac. pissed enough people off with this episode, so let's not go any further. No, I'm coming after those crypto nerds too. <laughs> They've had it for too good for too long. People are really going to hate us for this episode, by the way. Good. It's 2021. This is the darkest year of our adventures. (laughs) Actually, last year was the darkest year of our adventure. It's going to be one big dark year. (laughs) (laughs) So after Usnavi um, finds the lottery ticket, he meets or Vanessa comes over and they do this really annoying thing where they're like... (laughs) I like you, but I'm not going to talk about it. And then we're going to drink champagne. And Usnavi's like, oh, let me find some cups somewhere here. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, they talked about popping champagne in the beginning of the movie. And my, like, response to it watching this was, damn, if I cared about you guys more, this would matter more to me. <laughs> Man, this is so cool. Good thing I hate you both. <laughs> Oh, word? That's crazy. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. I don't think I've ever turned on a main, like, I've never turned on a main character in his love interest as hard as I and The worst thing is they're not even bad actors. Like, uh, they're, oh, no. it's, they're good actors, but the characters are so badly written to me. <laughs> I do want to say that, like, yes, let me say that both of these actors were were great. Anthony Ramos and what was the, and Melissa Barrero, amazing actors, don't want to like say their performances were shitty is i think their characters were written very shitty <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so anyway um like you were saying uh alejandro ends up taking the lottery ticket and uses and he says he's going to use it for sunny's daca fees so that way sunny can uh get an education and kind of fast track his um uh, his citizenship process um the next day uh vanessa takes usnavi down to the bodega which I guess he had, he was gonna sell off, or I don't know. Yeah, he was but, gonna. I mean, he he's he's getting, he's washing his hands and feet of it. Like he's not coming back. And, and this is and this like my last day opportunity is like when she like decides at the end of a song, don't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. She, she's like, come here. She takes me down to the bodega, and we see that uh, one of the, the the local graffiti artists—I forgot the kid's name was like Pete or something like that. Mm-hmm. He drew a mural of the beach 
or of like the coastline that that uh, Usnavi's dad used to take him to back on the D, back on DR, and you know he po- he 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 paints a mural with uh, Abuelita Sane, where it was like, what is it like patience and something? It's the name of the, one of the songs too. I forget what it was. Mm. Uh, Paciencia y fe, patience oh. and faith. That's what it was. Um, I forgot about that already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that was a thing because it kept coming up. And then um, Vanessa pretty much shows Usnavi that you know she's going to create a fashion line based on graffiti-covered rags that uh, that Pete would have been using. Kind of serves as an inspiration for like a palette and different like color schemes she wants to use for her uh, for her fashion line. Which is good because I swear when I first saw her pick up those rags, I thought she was just gonna like huff them. Tr- no. <laughs> No, I just thought that she was just going to try to like resell like the fucking stain designs as like high art. I know. Thank God they didn't do something. Oh, yeah. That oh my that would have been cheesy mid odds. I swear that is where I thought this was going. And I'm very glad that they at least didn't do that. Yeah. So pretty much um usnavi decides to stay after that because he was so moved by all their kindness and crap i guess and then the story shows that present day usnavi had actually been telling the story within the remodeled bodega even though we very clearly seen them on a beach earlier in the movie yeah all of a sudden this very clear beach backdrop now becomes the painted beats <laughs> from the beginning of the it's one of those things that like if you watched it in the play it's probably cool yeah it would know? probably be beautiful because but... you're you're very likely looking at a painted backdrop in a play watching this character describe stuff and then at the end you can get a moment where he just like stands up and then like someone pushes in shelves and turns it into the bodega again Mm -hmm. like that sounds like it would be cool and if you shot this because the thing too it's like lin-manuel miranda like also did hamilton and the disney hamilton like like the disney plus hamilton performance they do it in the style of a play so mm-hmm. it's like, so you can live inside of that world. Whereas I think that, yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, it probably intends to look cool, but it just, it feels really annoying because you're like, all right, so that should be all. It's like they were just imagining that they were on a beach. That doesn't make any sense to me. It was a collective hallucination of all the children. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things. I think, you, like you said, it, there are some certain things that just don't translate well from the stage to like an actual feature film. And that's just one of those shots that doesn't. Mm. But it ends with us learning that uh, the, the main little girl of the group is actually Usnavi and Vanessa's kid. And uh, the, the film ends with a giant song and dance number to as all musicals do musicals always end on a big number and like you you know after it's over that's when the audience applauds and all the actors come out to take a bow Mm -hmm. and there's apparently there's a post-credit scene i didn't want to say (laughs) post-credits there's a (laughs) post-credit scene where the truck that lin-manuel miranda's uh character mr piraguero 
the guy yeah. that's pretty much selling like raspados on the street. Which, if you're if you're Mexican, you would call it raspados. If you're Salvadoran, you might call it minuta. Like every every sub like country has like a different way to to refer to this style of treat. It's shaved ice. It's not by the, the way. same. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it, it's it's a shaved ice dessert. Um, Dude, but my, you know. it was so funny. My mom <laughs> got mad at me because I kept calling minuta raspados. <laughs> she's like that's not how i grew up calling them and i was like i didn't even grow up calling them anything it's just, just shaved ice to me you just piss her off by just calling it like piragua now <laughs> she's <laughs> gonna be like we're she's like we're not dominican shut up <laughs> but yeah i guess the 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 end cr- or the post credit scene is that the mr softy truck the ice cream truck that he's been like feuding with for <laughs> like been- seconds <laughs> like it's it very useless like second like subplot yes so apparently the truck breaks down and the Piraguero like wins, I guess. Nice. So he celebrates by raising his prices by a dollar. Oh sweet. So he ra- nice. so he like celebrates by becoming a worse person. It's <laughs> like everyone else in this movie. <laughs> because capitalism. Um. And that's our movie. So <laughs> I guess um, let's get into our closing thoughts and if we liked it. So, Angel, let me ask you, did you like In the Heights? I caught myself. I caught myself so hard. <laughs> What's called it In the Whites again? I almost said In the Whites. Um, no, I didn't. Mm. <laughs> and I wanted to. Like, I went into this wanting to like it, determining to like it, like just being determined that I'm just like, oh, I'm going to like this. But I just couldn't. It, a, it was hard to get into. B, it was too long. Um, C, the songs aren't that good. Like, they're just not that memorable. Like, you know, and for someone who, like, watches, like, musicals and actually enjoys them, it's like, I give it a shot. I watch it, and I think it's okay. But like we said, you know, outside of one character, I'm just not crazy about a lot of the stuff that this movie does. And I'm hoping that, (laughs) God, it could be even worse, but I'm I'm hoping that Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake <laughs> is a better musical than this has been for me. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think I made it clear that I'm not a huge fan of this movie. <laughs> yes, I think we've made it clear for about an hour. <laughs> and yeah, I don't want to make it seem again. Don't want to just shit on it because it's a musical. There's just a lot of like weak writing. There's just a lot of weak character development. A lot of random plot lines that are just kind of thrown in and never really like addressed in a big meaningful way. Um, although, don't get me wrong, I can see why people like it. The choreography looks fucking amazing. Some of these songs are, you know, yeah, some of them I find catchy, but none of them memorable enough for me to be like, you know really be saying them or them getting stuck in my head for too long you know like i'm not constantly saying something from this movie the way we do with hamilton where i'll just be like immigrants we get the job done you know like <laughs> and i think about that line very <laughs> very you know a lot surprisingly <laughs> but yeah there's just uh i mean i'm not a huge fan of it i think the acting's great you know i don't want to shit on any of the actors i thought i think it's great that that this movie is taking strides to have you know give greater representation it's just this isn't the one you're not that guy (laughs) as the popular meme says and that's fine and it's like you'll get there eventually (laughs) (laughs) i think we'll look back and be able to appreciate a lot of what this movie was trying to do maybe Mm -hmm. sometime down the line 
But um, I mean, yeah, it didn't really do anything for me. So yeah, I think that's about it. Cool. We'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show um, and for hanging in there while we were on a hiatus. Uh, we Also, this is it. It's time, Javi. No, okay? it's not. Yes, it is. It's a thing we didn't want to do that, you know, I guess it's my fault that we kind of got fallen into it. You could have fooled me that you didn't want to do this. You're I only right want to do it because it's a series that I've never seen any single movie in. Shut and up. You just want I, to get to Welcome Home because of I, the Warren Date Night movie. I feel like this is going to be bad. Like, these movies are going to suck ass. And I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to watching, like, three suck-ass horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get all the way negative, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hate myself for the next three weeks. I feel like you're doing this on my birth month. <laughs> I hope your birthday present for me is that I get to spend my fucking birthday watching Annabelle 3. <laughs> Just picture like you with a birthday cake and like a birthday hat like sitting by yourself watching Annabelle. I'm going to have a slice of birthday cake in one hand and then just like a bottle of wild turkey in the other <laughs> <hand>. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for joining us for this episode. Please uh you know rate our show on apple Podcasts. leave us reviews if you can um and try to get the word out for the show so that we can continue to grow the audience which i you know you guys are all fantastic listeners and we love you and we'll talk to you guys next week later y'all <laughs>